When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, good Thursday, everybody, and welcome to the porch. It is a VolQuest baseball podcast with VFL Luke Lipsius, featuring Luke every single week right here at VolQuest.com. He'll come on in the back half of the show. A big weekend series coming up. It's Tennessee, it's Kentucky. And uh, you could potentially, you know, kind of unofficially punch your tickets into the postseason play. And you need to take advantage of that, playing at home uh, for the final weekend series of the regular season. Uh, more on that and a whole lot to get into here on today's episode of The Porch. It's uh, presented by Spivey King and Spivey, LLP. Couldn't do it without our friends, Matthew A. Spivey, J. Matt King, and Richard A. Spivey. You got a problem, let them find a solution for you. Uh, TN Trial Lawyers specializing in criminal defense, family law, and personal injury. If you have a need, go see them in person at 142 Cherokee Street. That is in Kingsport, Tennessee. Give them a free call. Give them a free call. Give them a call for a free consultation at 423-245-4185. That is 423-245-4185. You can always visit them online at spivykingandspivyllp.com. Uh, could not be more appreciative of their partnership this season. Uh, they have been fantastic to work with and um, you know, really could, couldn't do this podcast without them. So uh, thank you to them. And if you ever need them, they are there to help you for sure. All right, so Tennessee coming off a series loss, of course, at Georgia on the road over the weekend. Uh, it's unfortunate you saw some poor defense kind of creep back into play on Sunday. You saw Tennessee fail to hit with runners in scoring position at times on Saturday and Sunday. But overall, I didn't think Tennessee beat themselves. I think Tennessee looked uh, like a better baseball team on the road, but that doesn't erase that you're now 2-11 and on the road this season. doesn't make you feel good, right? It doesn't erase that... Um, you are a better baseball team than Georgia, and you you know couldn't find a way to to get it done on the road. That Georgia was you know to the brink there, losing a starting pitching on pitcher on Saturday, and having to go to its midweek starter, um, who who quite frankly was not a very good pitcher, but he was really really good on Saturday, and um, Tennessee just couldn't hit him, and so it's frustrating. It's it's unfortunate. Um, season's not over though. Um, even though you come back to town with an even twelve and twelve record. In Southeastern Conference play, you have six games remaining in league play, three at home this weekend to Kentucky, three on the road to South Carolina, and then it's off to Hoover for the Southeastern Conference Baseball Tournament. So, um, you know, b- biggest takeaways, I put it in the uh, 3-2-1 from, you know, on Monday. Jared Dickey's good. You need more from Blake Burke. Um uh, we'll see what's going on with Chase Burns. Sounds like Chase Burns is going to be back. I've, I've I've talked to some people, and I'll I'll try to get some more notes before the War Room uh, coming up on Friday night or Thursday night, Friday morning. But I mean, it sounds like Chase Burns is going to be okay. He was a little sore, didn't pitch. I think they discussed you know putting him in the ball game at points and times throughout that series against Georgia. Um, but obviously, he was not available. You know, when they just rode Drew Beam out as long as they could, and then they went to um, AJ Russell there towards the end, which Russell pitched really really well. Um, but ask again, uh, we did we on Tony uh, on Tuesday, and he said that 
you know, he, he anticipates him. He's going to be there ready to roll. And so, you know, we'll ask again on, on Thursday when we meet him uh, for, for a media availability. But sounds like Chase Burns is going to be okay. Good to see KT, Kavar Sears, back in that lineup. Oh, boy, he, he didn't hit on, on Thursday or on Tuesday. I mean, he was in the lineup. He didn't register a hit. Uh, he had one throw from the outfield that saved a run. Boy, that was a beautiful throw. Just can you, continues to add to Tennessee where you have, you know, uh, one of the three of Griffin Merritt's. Kavaris Tears, Dylan Drowling acting as your designated hitter, and the other two being able to come on and, and huge pinch hit opportunities. So uh, making Tennessee's bench a whole lot better are those three. And, um, you know, it, it, it's a lineup that you're pretty much settled in with Hunter Ensley, Jared Dickey, and um, and Christian Scott, who's hitting the you know crap out of the baseball right now as your outfielders. And, of course, you know your infielders. So um, midweek, let's talk about that here for just a moment. Austin P. Um, of course, Tennessee did its normal routine, staying away from some of their better arms. Um, Seth Halverson did get in there and throw a little bit towards the end, trying to slam that door shut. Um, you know, it was a point where I didn't look great at times, but ultimately the hits came around. Christian Scott uh, had a home run. Uh, you had, um, of course, Charlie Taylor, who had a grand slam, which that was – that was awesome to see. He had a little brouhaha moment there um, in the sixth inning when Blake Berg was thrown out by a mile, and uh, he slid into home plate and kind of took out the catcher. The catcher didn't take any exception of it. He was blocking the plate, and uh, then you got the pitcher that got up there and was you know talking to Blake Berg, and you had people coming off the bench. And let me just say this: you know, we're sitting there. I'm on the game thread, and I'm talking to you guys, and I'm sitting in that press box. You know, we got you know Ben and Chump and Mike and you know all those guys, Sean, the SIDs sitting behind us, and we're sitting there watching. And we see that umpire point at somebody and, and eject him. Straight up, just threw him out of the game. I mean, you know, there's TV up there. We're looking up. We're watching. And and you see amongst the many players for both teams, Tennessee and Austin P, kind of leave the dugout, which you're not supposed to leave the dugout whatsoever. That, you know, that, that's usually an automatic ejection. But there were, I mean, at least 20, 25 players out on the field. Um, and and you see on the replay, Hunter Inslee's kind of hot, and you're getting out there and kind of running out on the field. And the umpire straight up points at him, says you're out of there, and then points at him again. It's like, all right, so, I mean, that was fairly obvious, right? But it turns out when all the dust settled, Hunter Inslee was not ejected from the baseball game. The pitcher that started and enticed the whole thing was ejected from the baseball game, and that was good. Um, could have been a whole lot worse for sure. No no, no shoving, no, pitch, no punches were thrown, nothing like that. Uh, I think the umpires actually did a really good job for as annoying as they were for trying to replay literally every single play in a midweek baseball game that lasted almost four hours. Um, that was brutal, guys. That that was one of those. You know what Tuesday reminded me of, guys? Calling Appalachian League baseball, you know, back when it was affiliated ball, when it was the rookie levels, and you go and get all these talented players who can all pitch and hit but can't play defense. And those games last four hours long, you know, I'm not saying it was, you know, just the time length reminded me of that and goodness gracious, but ultimately I think that crew did a pretty decent job handling that situation. Um, ejecting the person that needed to be ejected. Um, you know, the sec will review that incident, but, um, you know, in talking with some people on Wednesday and Thursday, I don't think anything's going to come of that. Uh, of course that can change, but I don't think anything else would come of that. I mean, especially with the sec, you know, tr trying to get a team into the postseason. I mean, you're not going to suspend anybody, right? You're not going to you're not going to kick anybody out for a game or two because you want your team to get into the field of play. So, I just thought that was an interesting little tidbit from a midweek game where Tennessee had to earn it, right? Um, it was it was not given to them, and um, it was not pretty at points and times. But midweek's so weird because again, it's not true baseball because 
the way you're going about your arms, it's not what you would do in a weekend series, but still, it's um, the, the wins and losses do count. And also, he was plus 200 in the RPI, and uh, yeah, that would have been a very bad loss. That would have been a Tennessee Tech-ish loss if Tennessee were to lose that one, but it didn't, so uh, that was good to see. Speaking of that, you look at the projected field for the latest projections for the um, NCAA tournament over D1 Baseball. This came out on on the Wednesday, and right now, after the Georgia series loss from over the weekend, entering this weekend of play, Tennessee is a projected two seed in the Conway region. That's a top seed, Coastal Carolina. Uh, Tennessee would be the two seed in that region. NC State would be the three seed in the region. And then Wofford would be the fourth seed in the region. So Tennessee, the last couple of projections, still a two seed, an opportunity to host. But over the last six games, conference games, Tennessee would need to go four and two. It's going to be a challenge. Kentucky we'll get to in a moment, coming here for three games and going on the road to top five South Carolina to end the season. Yes, I know there's injury concerns with South Carolina, but it's still going to be challenging. And, oh, yeah, it's on the road, which Tennessee doesn't play well on the road. So, um, But uh, an opportunity to host. But right now, essentially, you just need to win two of your last six. And in my opinion, that will get you into the NCAA tournament. Tennessee is a two-seed projection uh, in the Conway region with top-seed Coastal Carolina, according to the latest D1 baseball um, projections. Now, let's get to Kentucky, shall we? Uh, what's interesting is Kentucky has the – oh, it went away. I just – seems like I do this every single – seems like I do this every single week um, whenever I close the tab that I need. But according to D1 baseball, Kentucky has the top-ranked RPI in the country. 34-13 and 13 is the record. They have the number one shrink the schedule, the number one RPI – uh, they moved up to that number one spot in the last seven days by three spots. Non-conference twenty and three. They have the second most impressive. Um, you know, they have the second RPI in the non-conference slate. And versus RPI teams one through twenty-five, Kentucky is nine and six. Twenty-six through fifty, they're seven and five. Fifty-one through a hundred, they're eight and two. A hundred and one on, they are ten and zero. Uh, Tennessee currently has the twenty-fifth highest RPI. All right, and with a 33 and 6 record, and they have dropped actually seven spots in the last seven days, according to uh, this tracker here at RPI or at um, at D1 Baseball. So it's going to be the top ranked RPI team in the land traveling to the 25th highest RPI team in the land this weekend for Tennessee and Kentucky. What about those Kentucky Wildcats? Well, I went ahead and uh, prior to uh, recording this uh, podcast. I uh, went ahead and uh, wrote my weekend preview. I'll add in some quotes later on before it's released on game day on Friday. But Kentucky's a good team. I mean, they really are. They they have far exceeded expectations this year. Uh, preseason pick sixth in the in the Eastern Division by the league's head coaches. They're currently fourth. They're a spot ahead of Tennessee in the SEC East right now. They have they they hit well. Uh, they pitch even better, and, and they, you know, the staff is going to be nothing like Tennessee has seen. Each of the past two weekends when Mississippi State and Georgia. Georgia pitched well against Tennessee, but Georgia overall is not a very good pitching ball club. Kentucky is, for sure. But what's interesting about that, Kentucky, in in the last five series, so whether it be Thursday through Saturday, Friday through Sunday, whatever, in the last five series, game one, Kentucky has started four different guys. So I, I at this point in time, I mean, they'll come out with the um, – the weekend rotations uh, later on on Thursday, and 
Uh, I would assume Kentucky will probably give a, a nice little TBA there for game one. But as of right now, I have no clue who they'll start on, on game one because in the last five weeks, they've started four different guys for game one. In game two and game three, there's been a, a little bit of movement, but it's between it's been between the two guys, Zach Lee or Tyler Bosma. Zach Lee, uh, four and two on the season, 354 ERA. He's a righty. Tyler Bosma, four and three on the year, 504 ERA. He is a lefty. What's interesting about Zach Lee is um, he's pitched really, really well of late. He started 11 of his 12 appearances this season, uh, formerly an MLB draft prospect prior to last season. Um, he's allowed, He's been really good of late. He's allowed to combine four runs over his last 15 innings um, in his last three starts against AM, Vanderbilt, and South Carolina. Last week against South Carolina, clearly his best outing of the year. Six foot four, 200 pounder. He went. Uh, six and two-thirds, allowing two runs off, seven hits, 12 strikeouts, no walks. So the number two starter in Derek Lee, or excuse me, Zach Lee, <laughs> Derek Lee, uh, Zach Lee is someone that's pitching really, really well. Uh, Tyler Bozma, who will likely get the start in game three. He started all 12 weekends this season for Kentucky. Usually the number two guy, uh, but has made at least one start in game three so far this season. Um, you know, potentially he can start Saturday and, and Lee will pitch Sunday, but regardless, it's gonna be one of those two guys. But nonetheless, um, six foot six, two hundred and thirty-five pounds. Lefty's pitched three season in Miami of Ohio before coming over to Kentucky last year. Spent time in the Cape Cod League, uh Cape Cod Summer League. He's only surpassed three innings and a third, though, once in his last five starts. He's threw as many as 98 pitches and starts against Missouri, and he threw 80 pitches his last week, uh, last week and start against South Carolina. So he stretched out, but he hasn't surpassed three innings and a third um, in each of his past three starts. So I thought that was, uh, you know, or, or better said, he's only surpassed three innings and a third once in his last five starts. So I think that is worth noting. He only went three innings and a third, allowing three runs off three hits against South Carolina last week. Uh, but as far as Friday night starter, I mean, it's kind of pick your pick your poison, right? Could it be right-handed Logan Martin? Uh, he started the season opener. He's 1-1 one one with a 4.43 ERA. Missed about three weeks in March. Hadn't pitched each of the last two weekends, so we'll check on him. Uh, graduate righty Darren Williams is 3-1, 4.37 ERA on the season. He's made four starts and 11 appearances, three SEC starts, the latest coming two weekends ago against Vanderbilt. Redshirt freshman righty Travis Smith has made 10 starts this year. He made the last Friday night weekend start. However, all the other starts for Travis Smith has come in the midweek action. So who's going to be game one starter for Kentucky? We'll have to see. Uh, but expect to see Zach Lee and Tyler Bosma, a righty and a lefty, uh, throwing against Tennessee uh, at some point this weekend. Uh, pitching stats, really, really good, guys, uh, for Kentucky. Third in the conference and Team ERA, a 403. It holds the fifth lowest opponent batting average at 228, but struck out just the fewest batters in the league at 414. So Kentucky's been really good, but they're not a strikeout pitching team. Only 414 strikeouts on the mound for context. Tennessee leads the SEC with 547 strikeouts on the mound. Still, they've allowed the fewest runs on the season at 194 and fewest home runs allowed at 40 on the year. Quick look at the lineup. This is a lineup that doesn't do anything overly impressive. They just go out there and play ball. Um, they, they're fast, though, and they will test Tennessee's battery all weekend long. That is going to have to be something that you look out for. Four players, double-digit steals on the season. They like to bunt. They like to play some small ball. They will 100% try to put pressure on Tennessee's pitcher on the base pass. And again, if, if I'm if I'm any team in the country, I'm trying to do the same thing. 
Uh, but they, they do a really, really good job. Jackson Gray's the center fielder. He's a leadoff man. He's sitting 372. He stole 17 bags. Uh, second baseman, Emilian Pitry, I believe is how you say his name. He's the cleanup hitter as well. A 361 average, second on the team and driving in 42 runs. You've got a uh, transfer from Longwood, Hunter Gillum. He is the first baseman. He's the power source. He has 10 home runs, 60 RBI, 359 at the plate. Third baseman, Jace Felkler, uh, one of four starters, as I mentioned, with double-digit steals. He's batting 317. Eight of the nine routine batters in that order are hitting over 260 or better on the season with four hitting over 300. Kentucky ranks fourth in team average in the SEC at 299. So as a team, it's hitting 300, essentially. Second in on-base percentage at 428, but last in home runs. Only 33 home runs a season. Next to last in RBI, 321. That's across the SEC. So they hit really good for average, but not a whole lot of power for Kentucky so far this year. AM, who ranks 13th in the league in home runs, has almost twice as many home runs as Kentucky. Interesting note heading into the weekend. And obviously, it's a big reason why Kentucky is last in the SEC in slugging percentage. So they hit, they get on base, but they don't score a lot. They don't drive in a whole lot of runs. Interesting uh, for Kentucky, a little tidbit heading into the weekend. So, uh, nonetheless, guys, it's going to be a challenge. Kentucky coming off a series sweep at home to South Carolina. Yes, I understand South Carolina is going through the ringer in terms of injuries, but they swept a good team in South Carolina. They've swept Missouri. They swept Mississippi State. They've taken two or three from Alabama. They've only been swept one time this year by Vanderbilt. They've dropped two or three to Georgia, LSU, and Texas A&M. So, um, yeah, that's kind of what we're looking for this weekend. And um, for, for, without further ado, we'll bring on uh, Luke Lipsius, Tennessee first baseman, former Tennessee first baseman. He will uh, break down this matchup, talk a little bit about the Georgia series and a whole lot more. That's coming up next right here on Locked on Vols. But again, guys, couldn't do this podcast without our friends over at Spivey King and Spivey LLP. You got a problem? Let them find a solution. T and trial lawyers, Matthew A. Spivey, J. Matt King, Richard A. Spivey, specialize in criminal defense, family law, and personal injury like DUI, homicide, assault, uh, divorce, custody, alimony, parental rights, also personal injuries such as car wrecks and accidents. Over 80 years of combined experience, Spivey King and Spivey LLP provides representation throughout the state and federal courts in Northeast Tennessee. The firm has a vast amount of trial experience. The practice has been in place for over 43 years with its partnership, this partnership forming in 2012, while also serving part, or also having partners who are energized for today's modern legal demands. Practicing primarily in Northeast Tennessee, the Tri-Cities of Sullivan County, as well as Hawkins County, Washington County, and surrounding areas, the firm has won multiple awards and have attorneys who are rated by super lawyers in the Mid-South with real trial experience. Whether you're injured in a car accident, need a divorce, help with custody of your children, or have been accused of a crime, they are there to help. Go see them in person at 142 Cherokee Street in Kingsport, Tennessee. Give them a call for a free consultation. That's at 423-245-4185. Or you can always visit our friends, Spivey King and Spivey LLP, online at SpiveyKingAndSpiveyLLP.com. Luke Lipsius joins us on the porch. Coming up next. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Luke, it's it's another really good opportunity for Tennessee. You, you fell on the road at Georgia two games to three after winning game one. Uh, but you come back home. You're 12 and 12 in conference play. You win this series and you're sitting in the driver's seat essentially uh, to, to make the NCAA postseason uh, even before you know the last series of the season in Hoover. So uh, I feel like it's good to get back home if you're the University of Tennessee to finish off this stretch at Lindsey Nelson Stadium. Yeah, well, uh, that's the thing. The way I see it, we got two wins to get into the tournament, probably four to host. Um, so, you know, the good news is if we can scrape two out of the next six, we're good. If we can scrape four, then we're hosting. Um, but yeah, like you said, you know, Friday night win at Georgia. Uh, I don't think we've done that um, in a while, except for AM. Um, so that was really good to see, especially the way we did it Saturday. You know, a hard fought game. It's kind of what you expect to see on a Saturday. Um, again, it's just um, runs given up by Dolly. You know, it's, it's not that many, but it still doesn't seem like he's himself. But then, of course, Sunday, you know, Beam. Um, not really himself, and it doesn't help that we're making errors that lead to runs. And so that's where we kind of see the first half of the season balls going on, you know, those errors that lead to runs and then can't score after. So that wasn't good. But like you said, you know, we got a midweek win. We got a home series. We've been really good at home. Um, I like our odds heading into the postseason that we just might have to travel a little bit. Yeah, and I mean, you cross that bridge when you get to it. Of course, Tennessee's not been well on the road, but again, you just need to make it right now. Um, going back to that Georgia series, you know, for the most part, I know Sunday, like, Simo had that error and it led to a run, and then there towards the end, Blake Burke kind of staying behind the bag, and it's not an error, but, you know, the ball hits the bag and it, and it goes that way, and, you know, that led to a run. But it felt like for the most part, and, and Tony kind of echoed this after the that, that game, that you didn't win, but but you weren't beating yourselves on the road. Georgia just beat you, and you know that's another conversation. But you weren't running into outs on the base pass from the majority of the time. The defense wasn't horrible. Uh, you pitched for for two good nights, excluding Sunday. I, again, there's no moral victories, but at least you weren't like you were at LSU and at Arkansas, where you were just beating yourself. Oh, 100%. I thought those Friday and Saturday games were extremely well played, and even the first. I think it's six innings of Sunday. You know, it looked like just a dog versus dog, you know, whoever wants it more is going to win type games. And that's exactly what you want to see in the SEC. Now, later in that Sunday game, we see um, those errors or whether they're counted in the, uh, the scorebook or not. I remember Georgia used to always be really um, generous with not giving errors. But regardless, it was a good game. And I think it will give us some confidence going into the next away series. Um, which will be at South Carolina, tough one. We'll go there yet. But again, it's just a more confident builder, confidence builder. And so as we come to these last two series is building momentum into uh, Hoover, 
is where we really need to see ourselves get hot, um, coming together. Uh, and so if we can get people grinding on all, all cylinders, you know, um, doing their thing right now, then it's the perfect time to get hot and then make a run in the postseason, do something crazy, all that good stuff. You know, I think what Tennessee's missing right now is its cleanup hitter, and it's Blake Burke. And, you know, Blake's – if you look at just the overall stats, I mean, it looks really, really good, right? He's got – you know, 15 home runs, 40-plus RBI. I mean, the average is sitting around 300, something like that. But if you look down into it, and especially in SEC play, you know, the numbers aren't that great. I just feel like as much as this lineup has improved and you have defined roles, if you can get that guy going with that sweet left-handed swing, um, this offense could just take off. Yeah, that's 100% true, and you – hate to see it but also you got other guys that'll pick him up thank goodness um but yeah you know it's he's such a a pivotal part in that lineup even just for an opposing pitcher to say hey i gotta face this guy um, especially with runners runners on but like you said not super good in sec uh this past weekend i think one hit um so now is the perfect time after coming off of this let's call it a little slump that he should start uh powering through the end and hopefully we'll see him get hot at the exact right time and, and turn it around a little bit. How good's Jared Dickey been? I mean, he's he's been fantastic. It just I feel like it's you know we talk about this baseball team and talk about this baseball team, but we're never talking about Jared Dickey. And he's hitting like 360 in SEC play. I mean, he had a couple three hit games this past weekend. He's he's been incredible, and no one's really talking about it. Yeah, that's uh, kind of the downside of being so consistent. You know, he's uh, he's done it all season. Everyone expects him to hit, so when he does, it's like, okay, good. Um, but, yeah, he's one of those guys that not only does he hit, hits for a little bit of power, and he's been able to drive guys in uh, when it matters most. I think he hit that that game-tying run. Um, I think it was the, the fifth or sixth inning, make it 4-4 four to four in that Sunday game. But he's going to be a, a really crucial guy. Um, hopefully, Simo stays hot. Uh, Merritt's coming into his own. He's been playing really well. C. Scott's been playing really well. Um, Ahuna has, has done pretty well, too. You know, So it's one of those things that um, even though you got one guy in Blake Burke that's not living up to the expectations right now, you got all these guys around him that have been doing so well consistently, which gives you confidence and kind of peace of mind that, hey, even if we got one guy faltering, other guys will pick him up. I mean, Christian Scott at the bottom of the order has been incredible. Uh, Cal Stark had a big weekend on Sunday, both you know with the bat in his hands, having that game tying uh, two run home run, and then you know picked off a guy, threw out a guy that was big. He's coming to his own as Tennessee's starting catcher. You mentioned Seymour. <laughs> I think at one point in time, uh, Friday night he had homered in four straight games, and over that stretch, <laughs> I think he had homered six times. <laughs> so like, oh, yeah. uh, he. he He's really, really looking good. Hey, you got a question about you know the starting pitching. Andrew Lindsay looked like Chase Dolander was back to, to to where he was. I mean, Tennessee's offense didn't show up in game two. You lose three to one. That's not on your pitcher. He he did a, a heck of a job. Um, what about Bean though? This is now twice in the last four starts where he has just been not himself. And, and I felt and tell me if I'm wrong here. See if you tell me if you saw this a different way. The way the the bullpen kind of shaked out. You had to use, you know, a, a little bit on Saturday, and you lose, use uh, Cannon Sewell on on Friday, and and knowing Chase Burns was not available for that weekend, they weren't gonna, they were going to try not to use him. I felt like they rode Drew Beam, and they just kept riding him and saying, "Hey man, just just go. Like we got to go with you." 
did you kind of sense that a little bit? I mean, I feel like he should not have came back out for that fifth inning regardless. And of course that's when the wheels fell off. Yeah. So, uh, well, I'll start with the, the other two first again, another strong outing from Lindsay. I think he's solidified himself as a trustworthy Friday guy. Dolly, like I said earlier, and like you said, three runs, not bad, but you know, we still haven't seen that one run performance where he's his dominant self. And that's what I've come to expect even throughout this season. That's what I'm hoping for. Um, but like you said, you your pitchers give you three runs or your pitchers hold them to three runs, you should win a ball game with such a, a powerful offense like Tennessee has. Um, but yeah, what what Beam is doing is very uncharacteristic. Um, he's has stretches where he's gone maybe one game bad, rest good, but this this two game stretch that he's faltered. Um don't know what to say. His stuff still seems like it's good. Uh, maybe it's just a mental thing, whatever. But like you said, I think we are running him out there a little bit too long, and it, it doesn't help that we didn't have our guy Burns out there um, to help him out. And it's one of those things you make a decision to leave him out, and you got to ride with it. And with a guy like Beam, I like the decision to let him ride because he has been so consistent. Um, but, you know, it's easy to say after the fact – hey, we rode him too long, and I think that's exactly what we did. Um, I will mention in the – I think it was a total of one inning that he was in. Halvey looked good. It's good to see him back and doing well. Um, and then A.J. Russell had a really strong performance on uh, – I think it was Sunday as well. So, you know, once you, once you throw Burns back in there, I think we're firing on all cylinders. You know, Beam just needs to do something in practice. You know, maybe, um, I don't know, hit the sauna or whatever he needs to do, but <laughs> just do something to get him back to where he's going. And we'll be just all right. Yeah, uh, Halverson got back. I mean, Halverson really in his last like four appearances prior to last weekend, man, he was he was not looking good. And he he came on and he, I think he went, you know, got a couple outs, whether it was Friday or Saturday, I can't remember. Came back in uh, Sunday and then came and pitched a little bit on Tuesday. It's good to get him back to, to to where he was earlier in the year because Tennessee and now you know Hoover's right around the corner. I mean, these guys are going to have to eat some innings, and so. It's good that he was uh, kind of looking back to where he was. Did you watch the uh, the midweek game earlier this week? Uh, I watched just a little bit, bit of it, mostly looking at just the highlights, um, especially when my guy Chucky hit that grand slam. Woo! That looked good, didn't it? It did, man. I was to, to center field too. You know, that's that's hard to do no matter where you're at. Did you? Um, one of my other favorite parts about that game was. Um, <laughs> You know, Chris and Scott hit a home run to the deepest part of the ballpark, mm -hmm. and he was like, I mean, he was he was walking like it was one of those like you hit it, you go, you trot, you walk, you watch, and then you go like it was no doubter. He knew it. Uh, it was mm -hmm. one of my favorite parts of the of the game, along with the grand slam. Did you see that? I'm sure you heard about it. You saw some of the video of the the incident with Burke sliding in a home plate and the pitcher taking exception. No, I actually didn't see that. It was weird. It was a situation where you know they, they sent Burke and uh, he was out by a mile. Mm -hmm. And uh, he slid to home plate, and um, you know the the catcher was in front of home plate, so he kind of took him out a little bit. It wasn't a dirty slide or anything. The catcher falls over kind of awkwardly. Catcher didn't care. He got right back up. He was fine. The pitcher who was backing up home plate ran up, got in Burke's face, and was talking crap. And you know there was players coming out of both dugouts. At one point in time, you thought the umpire had ejected Hunter Insley, who was coming out kind of fast. And when all the dust finally settled, there was no punches, no shoving or anything. But when the dust finally settled. It was the pitcher who was ejected, but it was one of those situations where, and I know you've been in those before, you're glad nothing happened, but man, that would have been so bad if, if you know Tennessee was losing a player for a game or four games or whatever mm -hmm. because of something silly like that in the midweek. 
Yeah, 100%. And <clears throat> my first thing is that if you're a catcher and you're blocking the plate, you should expect contact. So um, the catcher did what he should have. He just got up, you know, he's like, okay, he ran into me, whatever. The pitcher making exception to or taking exception to that, I don't know. Maybe he's mad he's giving up runs or um, his girlfriend broke up with him the night before or something stupid. But, like, that's one of those things that if you're a college baseball player and you have any composure to you, you don't need to be starting stuff. Um, you know, maybe it's one of those things where they're trying to rowl or get us a little bit rowdy and and maybe even send some of our players home, like you said, getting them ejected. Um, but it, completely unnecessary, and and I'm just glad it did not escalate into anything more. And, of course, like, once something starts, we're going to finish it. You know, we're not about starting stuff, but we will have our guys back. And if someone's coming at him, we're going to come at you. Um, I'm glad the umpire made the right decision as opposed to last or uh, as opposed to that Vandy series. Uh, but regardless, uh, ended up good. Um, I'm fine with slides into home. And, and I think the catcher did, did the right thing. It was one of those weird midweek games, man, where it lasted almost four hours. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was about 10 reviews. Um, and then you had that and like, I mean, I'll, I'll give props to the umpiring crew. They did a really good job. Coaches did a good job. Again, nothing really happened, but it was one of those things where like, man, if, if one of Tennessee's players did get ejected or if, if a punch was thrown or something, man, what a horrible time. But ultimately that's what, what it was looking ahead to Kentucky, man, you played this bunch and you had bad memories last year, but, um, ultimately it's a, it's a group that's having a really good year. I mean, the 34, 13, uh, they're 10 and nine away from Lexington. So coming to Lindsay Nelson's name, they have a winning record. They're 14 and 10 in conference play just swept South Carolina. Um, and of course that's who Tennessee finishes out the year with and top, South Carolina's top five team. Um, it's going to be a really good challenge for Tennessee. And, and again, a, a winning series probably puts you in the postseason, but it's not going to be easy. Oh yeah. They're a, a really good team coming off a, a really good win at, uh, South Carolina. Um, you know, they're one of those teams that I don't think they're going to do anything special, but they're just going to out grit you. You know, they got a, a lineup full of talented hitters. Um, no one's going to blow the cover off the baseball or anything. They're just going to hit, they're going to play good defense and they're going to pitch. And teams like that are so hard to beat, which is why Tennessee was so good in the past because they're not going to give you anything easy. You are going to have to take it from them. And I think it helps that we are playing at home. I think it helps that we lost that series last year. I think it helps that I don't think anyone likes Kentucky, especially being the coaching staff over there, whatever. Um, I, I do like our chances this series, but it is going to be a hard-fought series against a really good Kentucky team that seems to be getting hot at the right time. Yeah, and this is a Kentucky team that has pitching – that you haven't seen the last, at least on paper, that you haven't seen the last two series. A 403 ERA for the team, really, really solid. Going back to Georgia, kind of on that note, it was Saturday. Um, I've never seen this in baseball before. Now, granted, I've covered a minor league game before where I was broadcasting it, where one pitch into the game, they had a rain delay and they canceled the game, which was pathetic. <laughs> you know. But uh, this was two pitches into the game, and the starting pitcher for Georgia tweaks his hammy has to go out. They have to get somebody warmed up and coming in. They go get their midweek starter, who's a true freshman. Um, I forgot his name. And he comes in, and his numbers were atrocious. He throws five innings and a third, gives up one run, strikes out like seven or eight. Tennessee couldn't hit him because he was throwing junk and his velocity was not there. But as a player, I'm sure this happened to you before, You know, knowing the pitcher and scouting the pitcher and everything, how challenging is it just to have to – 
you know, pull pull a, a reverse essentially and have to go up against a new guy for essentially a start. Yeah, so we've dealt with something like that. Um, that LSU uh, Super Regional game, we had that rain delay, came back, finished out the game. It's a little different because their starter didn't get taken out. But, you know, I guess you prepare for a starter, but when you get into the game, you're not really worried about all that stuff. Maybe there's tidbits here and there, but especially against a guy like a lefty who is a midweek starter, in your mind, you're treating it like a midweek game. If he's throwing slow, if he's slowing junk, adjust your approach. Don't try to get too big. Um, and that's where maybe we see the at-bats go wrong. You know, they think it's SEC weekend series. We got this uh, lefty poo slinger up. We're going to hit bombs all day. And that's where you kind of get humbled. And um, maybe that's what happened to them. But it's just an, an approach, a mental thing. And I think that's where you do see a little bit of the, the inexperience coming out because um, – it shouldn't have that much of an effect. With that being said, I don't think as a team we've hit lefties nearly as well as we've hit righties, uh, especially the slower ones. So, um, I mean, kudos to him too for coming out being a freshman and absolutely dicing a talented S or a talented Tennessee lineup. And um, what I assume was his first SEC start of his career. Yeah, and he 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 saved that series because uh, again if. If he went out there, gave him you know an inning, two innings, or whatever. I mean, it's just burning that bullpen in game two. So yeah. uh, he saved that series for sure for him. And I'm I'm with you. That was a good. I mean, give credit where credit's due. It's just man, he was th- he wasn't hitting the plate at all. He was like you know mid 80s. I think he had one at 88, 89. Mm-hmm. Uh, but nonetheless, you know he he did well. Uh, I had a couple of mailbag questions earlier this week, and I want to end with this. Um, I want to get your thoughts on it. Chase Burns. I mean, I'm not a doctor. You're not a doctor. Um, soreness last week. He didn't pitch. We've asked Tony twice on record in front of the camera. Um, is he going to be okay? He said, yeah, he'll be here this weekend. He'll pitch this weekend. He'll pitch this weekend. Is it good that he's had a long – he hasn't pitched since game one in Mississippi State. It's you know almost two weeks, essentially. Um, is it good to have two weeks off, or do you think it could be rusty? How, how's, how's this in terms of what you're looking at in Burns? So for a guy like that, especially with his adjusted role um, as being a closer, I think he's – the next time he pitches, he's going to come out Absolutely ready to go. Maybe bust a couple of 101s up there um, because as the season goes on, again, these dog days, pitchers do get tired. Um, that's where you see sometimes even last year or earlier this year, you take a weekend off, you adjust a roll, whatever it is, to give him time to rest. And so two weeks, his arm's going to be fine. And if he were still a starter, I'd say two weeks is probably a little too long because you get out of your routine. But now that he's in that closer role, I think he'll be just fine. You don't really need a routine as a closer. You go out there and just dominate like he does. And so I think it will end up being a good thing seeing him come back uh, and pitch whenever he does, and he'll be absolutely ready to go. And then last thing I want to ask you, um, and I, I don't think there was any disrespect intended, but you, you, you know how you know we are as a fan base, and you, and you see what you guys did last year and the home runs and the records and, and the wins and all that that followed question was asked is this team uh, a disappointment this year and the way I answered it and tell me tell me if I if I'm off base here I would say considering everybody that was lost yourself included um and all that I mean it was never going to be what it was last year it wasn't um I would say the season is not a disappointment for sure I mean you got a chance to go play postseason baseball however starting pitching has been disappointing at times not being able to win on the road has been disappointing all season long uh, and some of those early season struggles like defense and base running and not hitting with the runners in scoring position, that was disappointing. 
but the team's gotten better. It's been fun to watch this team get better and better. So my answer was, has this team been disappointing? No. Has, has this year been a disappointment? No. Um, has certain aspects of it been disappointing? Sure. But anytime you have a chance to go play postseason baseball, I, I don't think that that can be disappointing. Yeah, I don't think this team is disappointing. I think it's frustrating at points. Yes. Uh, but <laughs> I think there was so much hype with this team, especially with what we did last year. And um, the talent that we had on it this year, that them not living up to the hype is disappointing to some people. Uh, with that being said, I think if they would have played the whole season, how they're playing now down over these past three or four weeks, whatever it's been, then we would see a lot different team, a lot different fan feelings, and uh, a lot better feeling about the, the team. Now, the first half of the season, the struggles that we had and just the way we did it, that was a little disappointing to see, but also – they were dealing with so much pressure trying to come into the, their own as inexperienced guys. And so it's, you don't want to give them um, that much leeway, but also you got to realize like, Hey, this is their first time being under this big of a spotlight, cut them some slack. And so um, I would have been disappointed if they had carried it on. The fact that they t flipped it around, I'd take this as a win, especially since we are positioned in, uh, we have a very, we are positioned um, to play postseason baseball, which is never a bad thing, especially if we go and make a run, everything will uh will be all right in the fans' eyes. All right, just got to go finish and clinch it, yeah, for sure. So Tennessee's got a series at home against Kentucky. We'll talk about South Carolina next week. Last thing, you're starting to see a lot of these summer ball teams release their rosters. A lot of Tennessee ball is going to be heading to the Appalachian League. Um, how was the summer ball experience for you? And and I truly do believe, like I'll just use Blake Burke as an example. Like, I mean, it's a time to go and get better. Like, if I'm if I'm Tony Vitello, whoever's taking Blake Burke, I'm saying, hey, he is playing first base every single inning of every single game this summer. Like, just, you know, 40 games, whatever it is, 60 games, a chance to just get better. Um, did you use that? I mean, it was, was that kind of how you did it? Yeah, so summer ball was – it is one of the best experiences for a college baseball player because you go from a season where there is so much pressure on you and, you know, you're having fun but still – um there's pressure game to game uh so sometimes you don't play your best you worry too much all this outside stuff whatever you go out and play summer ball and you're literally just back playing baseball in the backyard um and so yes you go out there you work on yourself you get a little bit stronger um you hone your game but also i think you, summer ball is where you learn to just relax again and realize it is a game we should be having fun and i think for a lot of these guys that will be returning that's what they need to learn how to do because they're young. Just go out and play, learn to have fun, do your thing, come back next year, be great. And then for some guys um, playing on those fields, it is not like an SEC field. So, yeah, you're going to get better defensively, offensively, whatever, still facing good competition. Um, so I think it's just the best time to overall improve in not only um, your headspace, but also talent-wise, get stronger, all this good stuff. Luke, as always, man, really appreciate it. We'll see how Tennessee does against Kentucky this weekend, and we'll touch base next week before South Carolina. Yes, we will. Hoping for a good series. All right, man. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thank you. VFL Luke Lipsius, home run king for the Tennessee baseball program, former first baseman, and uh, maybe a future broadcaster. Who knows? And getting a start here on the porch of VolQuest.com. All right, so big, big you know, weekend. I've gone over it to nauseum. Talked with Luke about it. A chance to, in my eyes, lock up a postseason berth. You're at 12 and 12 in the SEC. You got six games left. Um, you got three games left at home. 
Go win the series. That'll put you at 14 wins in the Southeastern Conference at 14 and 13 if that happens, leaving the series and uh, a chance to go to uh, the, the, the postseason. So we'll see what happens. Again, you want to continue to get more wins. You'd like to win a couple of games in Hoover. But go ahead and leave no doubt because when you leave Lindsey Nelson Stadium, nothing's ever guaranteed, but nothing's really ever guaranteed just the way that uh, Tennessee's played on the road this year. So uh, Kentucky at home, it'll be a Friday, Saturday and Sunday outing, 6.30 on Friday, SEC Network Plus, Saturday at noon on the SEC Network, and Sunday at 1 o'clock on the SEC Network Plus. Guys, appreciate it as always. VolQuest will have you guys covered uh, through for, for game coverage. I will still be riding, even though I'm out of town, I'll be riding the 3 one We'll do the porch next week. Um, I got your preview set up for the game uh, You know this weekend, so... We'll get you set. Uh, appreciate it as always. Big thanks and big shout out to Spivey King and Spivey LLP. Thanks so much for your coverage and for letting us be able to do The Porch. It is a VolQuest baseball podcast. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.